Welcome to Flower Hour. A podcast completely dedicated to baking. I'm Amanda in Atlanta. And I'm Jeremiah in Sacramento. Flower Hour is now looking for sponsors. If you are interested in more information, please contact Amanda or myself on our social media or through our websites listed in the show notes. Amanda, it's another Flower Hour. How are you? I'm so excited. How are you? Me too. We've been joking that today is like a holiday. It's Christmas up in here. (laughs) (laughs) So what have you been baking this week? Uh, okay, so today I made a gateau basque from one of the Bake from Scratch uh, books, but I haven't tasted it yet, so I can't really talk about it other than the process was really cool. But what I'm dying to tell you is I have been so obsessed with getting an ice cream maker, but <gasps> I, I haven't done it until today because I saw... So the other day I was on Instagram and I'm looking in... Zoe's stories, Zoe Bakes, who we had on a couple of episodes ago. I saw that same story. Yeah. And she mentioned getting an ice cream maker at a yard sale because she said a lot of people bought them at one time and then they were getting rid of them. And I'm like, I love to buy things that don't have to be manufactured just for me. It just makes me feel very green and happy. So this morning I went to the Goodwill and I was trying to find like random plates. And then I thought, I should check and see if they have an ice cream maker. And sure enough, it was like one of those moments where you look and it's like, oh, there it was in beautiful condition for $15. So you can see a lot of ice cream coming from me in the future. Mm -hmm. So the question is, what flavor will you make first? Okay, so I was thinking about that and I'm like, you know, should I be like a good student of ice cream and start no. with vanilla because that's no. the right thing to do? And no. then I was like, I don't really want to make plain vanilla to start. And then my thought was, I'm going to ask Jeremiah because I'm pretty sure he has a recipe. <laughs> it's probably like passion fruit and chocolate and coffee and amazing. So what do I do? All right. Two came to my mind and I'm just going to go with my gut. One is chocolate peanut butter. Because I know how you and I feel about chocolate and peanut butter. And it's easy easy to do. And the other one is a bit more seasonal. And it requires that you can get your hands on Thai basil. Thai basil is an amazing, amazing type of basil, right? And you just infuse your cream or milk mixture. And oh my gosh, what an exotic ice cream. Oh, that sounds amazing. Okay, so send me your recipe and listeners too. Please message me a recipe or a link or something. I'm totally open. And it's, I mean, I'm expecting this to be my thing. Like I'm going to go crazy. I've already opened an ice cream shop in my mind. So send them my way. Thank you, Jeremiah. Oh, anytime. (laughs) Okay, so what are you making? What have you been up to? So... My writing schedule has been really intense. So my baking as it, well, I probably would say this every week, I want to bake more. So I am still in the midst of putting together one of Talia Ho's recipes from last week's episode. And it is a tart that is, well, tartlets actually, that's filled with a pomelo and rose curd and then it's topped with a honey meringue. And I just wanted to share some cool blind baking tips that I've tried and I'm really happy about. 
Oh, I'm so, excited. Okay. Okay, good. Because there's tons of ways to do it, and they're all fine. But you, I think it's important as a baker to find which one is your go-to. Which one can you count on? So this came from Stella of Brave Tart, who I love. And she recommends lining things with foil. Um, she likes how that conducts some heat to the crust. And then for pie weights, she uses sugar. Oh, nice. Does it roast? Yeah. Does it roast in there? Exactly. So you're getting two things done at once. First of all, the sugar is really great, especially for tartlet pans, because it's getting into all those little nooks and crannies where if you're using beans or baking beets, they can be a little too big to really anchor the, the parchment or the foil. So True. It doesn't get into all the corners. Okay. So And then you end up with toasted sugar. And she recommends using that in your buttercreams, especially like a vanilla buttercream, because those toasty caramely notes will definitely improve your buttercream. And she says temper the sweetness. So this is my first time doing it. I'm so excited to try the sugar in a buttercream to see what it will be like. Um, but the sugar doesn't melt as long as there's no moisture around. It just gently toasts. Interesting. Yeah, because I'd be worried I'd pull it out and have like a a caramel blob in there, but it, so you've done it and it doesn't happen. It doesn't uh, no. liquefy or anything. Interesting. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm putting this on my list. I'm taking notes. <laughs> Excellent. Well, now it's time to get to what we're all here for. The most exciting guest is here with us today. He is Brian Hart Hoffman. And he is the President and Chief Creative Officer at Hoffman Media. Also Editor-in-Chief of Bake From Scratch Magazine, which is at The Bake Feed. He's a world traveler. Passionate baker. And we are so excited to have the Brian Hart Hoffman on Flower Hour today. All right. Can we get him? Let's get him. Brian well, I should say Brian Hart Hoffman. Welcome to Flower Hour. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. Hi, Brian. We're so excited to just dive right in. We can't wait to pick your brain about all things baking. Let's do it. My brain's full and ready. <laughs> <laughs> so we want to know how, how this all began for you. How did you fall in love with baking? We've read some really, really adorable stories. And there was one that I hope you'll tell about baking soda. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I'll tell the story. Um, well, for me, baking, you know, while I baked as a child, and I definitely had an interest in baking from, you know, learning to bake biscuits with my mom and just an interest to be in the kitchen, I really didn't fall in love with baking until I was a flight attendant. And I know that sounds like a crazy uh, link to the baking world, but I fell in love with food through travel and wanting to try new things when I was in a new destination so that I was getting a taste of something local. Um, and then I would want to come home and learn how to make it in my kitchen so that I could share that with friends and family. So sweets and baking are all definitely what I was, you know, searching for when I was traveling. Um, so it's kind of been a lifetime, I guess, of you know, having an interest in baking, but then the years of traveling really piqued my interest in, um, you know, the diversification of what I wanted to bake. 
and then joining my mom's magazine publishing company 10 years ago kind of brought all of that world together for me in food media and what I was going to do with that to leave my impact and, you know, put my personal passion, uh, you know, to work with Bake From Scratch magazine. But I know you want to hear the baking soda story. So I'll jump back to Brian as I guess a nine or 10 year old little guy in the kitchen. Um, my mom and her best friend um, had gone out shopping or something. And I, I wanted to bake a cake for them. So when they came home, there was something, you know, that I had made for them. And uh, I baked it. And I was so proud when they walked in the door. I said, Mom, Barbara, look, you know, I made this for you. And my mom was like, Oh, my gosh, that's wonderful. But she looked at it and could immediately tell that something was really wrong. It was about (laughs) one inch thick, and the texture probably wasn't right for a cake. And she didn't say anything to me. She just said, you know, let's talk about it. What did you do? Tell me how you made it. And I showed her the recipe and I was going through the, you know, ingredients and steps. And I said, mom, you are not going to believe how hard it is to pour Coca-Cola into a tablespoon. (laughs) (laughs) What do you mean pour Coca-Cola into a tablespoon? I said, well, look, it calls for a tablespoon of soda. (laughs) obviously I was not aware of what baking soda was and the need for that to be in the recipe in order to have a better result. So she ate the cake anyway and told me how much she loved it. But um, yeah, we, uh, we will always laugh about my baking adventure and pouring Coca-Cola from a three liter bottle into a tablespoon. (laughs) (laughs) That is the best story. story. Yeah. It's so funny. Yeah. I mean, it says baking soda, duh. I mean, yeah. Obviously. Well, I think the recipe said <laughs> soda or something because obviously I, you know, just assumed it meant, you know, Coca Cola. So, yeah. The soda that you bake with. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Well, so from there, you did a lot of other things and being a flight attendant and then transitioning to Hoffman Media. What was that like going from? Being a flight attendant to then Hoffman Media is such a different world, I'm sure. Absolutely. Um, You know, I loved my years in the airline industry. I I had a childhood dream of, of being in the airline industry and traveling and seeing the world. And I was really fortunate to be able to do that. Um, And growing up, uh, in the home of a magazine publisher, I always associated Hoffman Media and the magazine publishing world with, you know, my mom. This was her business, her dream. And, um, you know, that was it. I really never had an interest in it. Um, But something about adulthood and maturity and really appreciating what my mom had built um, started to pique my interest about, um, you know, what was the future of you know, our family business. And six months before I joined the business, my twin brother uh, left his job in New York. Um, He was a financial banker on Wall Street. And he moved back to Birmingham and joined the business as our chief operating officer. And 
then six months later, mom was chatting with me and said, you know, I really feel like there's a good opportunity for you, you know, if you want to do this, if you're ready. Um, and she said, I only want you and your brother to join the business if it's something you want and not something that I want for you. So, um, so I made the decision that I was ready. I wanted to be a part of the company that she had built and uh, to join my brother and her in business was a big you know, leap of faith and, and something that was a bit scary and unknown. But I knew that all of our combined passions and creativity and drive were going to be a recipe for success. And, you know, here we are 10 years later. Um, I fell in love with the industry in a way that, you know, it for me feels like I've been able to live two dreams, having the airline dream come true and travel to now being in this amazing magazine media industry, working with my family and loving what I do every single day. That is so cool. Congratulations. Thanks. That's amazing. I love that your mom was so thoughtful. I mean, we've heard twice now how thoughtful she is eating the cake and being so kind about (laughs) it. And then so thoughtful too, to consider like, you know, not just kind of forcing you into it and going, oh, if I can somehow twist him into it, that's great. But really considering, you know, if that's what you wanted to do, I think that's really special. Yeah. And that was always her number one thing was this is not a decision under pressure. This is a decision that we were going to make as a family about, you know, the future of our company. So, yeah. Well, talk to us about how Bake From Scratch, your baking magazine, how did that come about? So, you know, over the years, we have published so many recipes that are obviously baking focused. Um, In some of our other publications, we've done special editions that are Southern cakes or holiday baking and a lot of things very baking focused. But as a passionate baker and somebody that loves all elements of the baking world, I didn't feel like we were delivering enough and there really wasn't a product on the market that was delivering enough either. And I had this meeting with some of my team members and I said, you know, what if we explore doing a baking publication that's not just recipes, it's a complete deep dive into the baking world. The people that make, you know, amazing things in their, you know, baking blogs to the people that own, you know, renowned bakeries and the stories behind them and uh, how we tell more stories about people in this wonderful world. Because the thing that I figured out about myself and other people that loved baking was it's not just about baking something at home. If you really love it, you're wanting to interact with it on, you know, multiple levels. So, um, so about three, three and a half years ago, I think I began exploring the concept of bake from scratch and what we wanted it to be. And, uh, I, you know, worked with some key people, um, you know, here at Hoffman Media, Brooke Bell has been, you know, a big part of the launch of this product with me. And then Jennifer Cole left her um, position at another magazine publishing company, and she was up for the challenge too. And and we all three just kind of sat around and concepted what, what it would be in our wish list. And we put together a magazine. Um, and we put the first issue out in the fall of 2015. And 
it was a test. We didn't know how it would perform. We had not planned a second issue just because we wanted to be very conservative in our approach. And the immediate results from the newsstand and people sending us emails and people jumping onto this Instagram account called The Bake Feed, we knew we had tapped into something that people loved and wanted more of. So we immediately started working on a second, third, and you know, uh, an ongoing publishing schedule for Bake from Scratch. Um, so yeah, I mean, it all started from you know my passion for baking and something that I felt like was missing in the marketplace. What did that feel like as it was all coming together? Were you just pinching yourself like this is something I love and this is my family business all coming together in one place? Was that super exciting? Yes, that that for me is still something, you know, we're almost three years into publishing Bake from Scratch and I still pinch myself thinking, wow, I get to create a product from my brain that's so purely, you know, euphoric about baking and doing it here at our family business and the platform that's allowed me to do that is a really cool feeling. Um, so yeah, it's, it's still something even now I'm like, wow, this product came out of Brian's brain and, and obviously it's not all Brian's brain. We're a collaborative team, but, but it is definitely, um, it's my brainchild and something I'm super passionate about. So amazing. I think that's one of the things I really love about Bake From Scratch, the magazine, is that you can tell that it's a passion project because you're right that it's nice to see all the different elements of baking, not just bloggers, not just restaurant owners, but seeing all those different kind of fields come together in a super unique way. Um, that's one of the things I really love about it. And so, yeah, I, I'm I'm just thrilled to see your passion on paper, but... Bringing that around to a question, when I look at it, I also look at a lot of fashion magazines and I'm always kind of wondering what it's like putting together a baking magazine versus a fashion magazine. I know with fashion, it's all about trend. And then with the baking, I open it up and it's always filled with things I want to make. And in my mind, I'm like, this is so on trend. Is that something that you think about or is it just you seek really delicious things and it works out that way? You know, I think there's a balance. Um I think our intent is to never be too trendy. I think sometimes you can push the envelope on what people will bring into their kitchens or what they have access to. Um, so I think we try to balance it. Um, but I also think some things that become trendy in the food world stay trendy for a long enough time that we get to really you know, play it out and invent new ways to, to showcase those trends in very approachable recipes and content that people will actually bake in their kitchens. Um, you know, we did a big feature last fall on tahini and I know it's, you know, you see tahini everywhere right now and, and we wanted it to be a very, um, you know, very, it was a trend piece, I guess you could call it, but it was also something that was, I think it'll stay in the test of time and you're going to want to make these recipes for years to come, whether people are still chatting about tahini as much or not. Um, you know, I also think we're all, we try to be on the forefront of helping to set the trends and what we're going to see in social media and, and what people are baking at home. Um, in our March, April issue this spring, I mean, we really went back 
to a love affair with milk chocolate. We feel like, you know, uh, dark chocolates had a really long spotlight and maybe a little bit to the detriment of people's desire to bake with milk chocolate, but we love it. So we wanted to go back, you know, to something that's probably a classic, but bring it back in a trendy way. Um, so yeah, maybe we are, you know, trendsetters and sometimes a little bit of, you know, trend gatherers and jump on board with things that are really popular. It's interesting you bring up both of those because I've just discovered Halva and I'm like putting it on everything. So yeah. <laughs> I do kind of follow the trends some. And then the same with chocolate. I've completely fallen into that rut of my default is always dark chocolate. It's just, it's what I buy. It's what I use. And I think it's fun to shake it up. And in a weird way, it's like shaking it up and going with a classic. So. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'd love to know what is a typical day like for you as a magazine editor? Is it like Anna Wintour with flower bags and sugar. <laughs> that would be a really fun video to do with flower, sugar, and the uh, the devil wears Prada mentality around. Uh, and you have to wear sunglasses. Oh, absolutely. Sunglasses. And throw my bag of flour on someone's desk and tell them to put it away. <laughs> <you know? laughs> yes. Can this um, please happen? Like somehow this needs to happen. <laughs> I'm dreaming of a YouTube video series now. This sounds really fun. Um, Amanda and I could be your assistants. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll call you both Amanda, and then you just have to figure out who I'm talking to. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> um, it's nothing like that. You know, I, I think at Hoffman Media, you know, I can only speak to the mentality that we bring to our content creation and magazine publishing, but we are a family business and we want that to carry over into the family environment. And because of that, I think we tend to have a pretty lighthearted, jovial, um, you know, relationship with our team and people we collaborate with. But you know, at the end of the day, we're creating amazing content and beautiful photos. And it, it, I guess you can't take that stuff too seriously or else you don't get to have the fun and joy that comes from creating such an exciting, uh, product. And, you know, we, we publish 12 magazines and our teams of people are so passionate about each and every subject matter that we publish. But with Bake from Scratch, I mean, our planning meetings, you know, they could last two hours longer than we ever planned for because we get down the rabbit hole and on a subject matter and then it jumps to something we should be doing and we haven't done and let's go back and revisit this and that. And, you know, we're chatting about baking and what's not to love about it. So um, so we'll do a fun video series for the for the Devil Wears Prada baking edition, but it's nothing like what it what it is every day here. <laughs> I love that. I'm glad to hear it too. It would have made me really sad if you said, yeah, it's basically exactly like that. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been <laughs> traumatic. Um, okay. So a topic we've had that comes up a lot on flower hour, and I feel like you're uniquely positioned to answer this is what constitutes an original recipe? I'm sure it's something you've had to be aware of. So I, I wanted to hear your thoughts. Absolutely. You know, it is probably the subject of subject matters in our industry. And I think people constantly, you know, discuss and chat about the fact that you can't copyright a recipe. Who knows where the original ever came from? And there's a lot of truth in that because there is only so many ways that you can 
you know, put butter, flour, sugar together and come up with something that's your very own. But the thing that I think we always try to do is honor where the inspiration came from and try to give credit to, you know, people that had the great ideas before us. But also, you know, we we have a pretty strict rule that if we're going to have an original recipe that's inspired by something or we take a platform and jump off with something, that you have to have changed at least three major ingredients or methods to make it a unique recipe. Um, you know, and is it going to look similar to something someone else has published at some point? I'm sure if you spent all the man hours it takes to find it without any intention of our own, you're going to have a similar recipe with someone else based on the, the law of averages and what we're all doing every day. Um, but for the most part, you know, I, I think we, have very creative and talented recipe developers and chefs that we work with. And they're all working really hard to put their own unique spin on things. And um, yeah, so I hope that answers the question, but, but it is probably the eternal unanswered question forever and ever is what is an original recipe. That's very helpful. Thank you. What is the creative process for you when you're developing a, a recipe? You know, I mean, I, if I'm personally developing a recipe, it's usually something I'm pretty obsessed with in my my baking pantry. Um, you know, right now I try to use creme fraiche in every single thing that I bake. And, you know, I have like a stock of it in the refrigerator. Um, but again, it's being, you know, I view it as being very true to things that are personal to what you enjoy and what you love. Um, so you know, you're never going to see Brian create an original recipe with grapefruit in it. I absolutely hate <laughs> grapefruit. <laughs> so if you see Brian saying that he did something with grapefruit, it might be inspired by someone else. And it's definitely not original. <laughs> <laughs> got it. Got it. So you just finished Bake Like a Brit tour. And that's where I got to meet you face to face, which was super fun. But what was it like connecting with bakers all over the country on that tour? You know, I think it was one of the most euphoric experiences of Bake From Scratch's journey yet. Um, it was our first tour. It was our first kind of travel the country and meet as many people as we can effort. And it was everything we wanted it to be plus more. Um, you know, I think the, we all know each other through social media. We've all been friends through Instagram or Facebook, and we all have a lot of respect for what each other do and contribute and bring to the table, but to meet people face to face and chat. And, um, and in the case of the San Francisco event that you attended, we baked together and there's nothing quite like bringing a group of people that are passionate about baking and we're all industry peers and baking together. That just, you know, for us was amazing. Um, so yeah, meeting, you know, everyone face to face was, uh, was the dream and it was great. On a side note, I loved your apron, the one apron you and um, Ed were wearing. Who were those by? So that is the apron that we designed um, for Bake From Scratch with Headley and Bennett. So, Oh, my God. They're gorgeous. Thank you. We went to Los Angeles. We spent some time at the Apron HQ um, with Ellen and her team. And 
just put together the elements of an apron that we thought represented what bakers would love, what, um, you know, a color that looks good on most people. And, um, <laughs> and it was really fun. So, I mean, they are, you know, and they were not just created for us. I mean, we have them available on our website so that um, people in the Bake From Scratch community are all, you know, gearing up in the same apron if you want to. Okay, Jeremiah, we have some shopping to do. <laughs> All right, we're on it. I'm such an apron junkie. I like get really obsessed. So, um, oh, but another thing I really, really love are factory tours. So, following your stories at the Nordic Wear, Nor- I hope I'm saying that right, Nordic Wear factory was just mesmerizing. Um, can you tell us a little more about that? Yeah, I, um, you know, it is that that moment where you're standing in a facility and there are thousands upon thousands of bunt pans stacked to the ceiling and you're thinking, oh my gosh, like we're really here. Um, So we had the most awesome tour where we were able to see the process from start to finish. Um, They took us into their design center where they work on prototypes and you know, sketches on a computer screen and things that are in their minds. And, um, you know, they even talked about some things that we as, you know, just home bakers don't really think about, but Nordic Ware has done some um, bunt pans that have been shaped like um, houses, like gingerbread houses or a, ha- a Halloween haunted house. And the, the, the way you have to think about cake And you can't have any eaves, you know, hanging out over the side of a house because the batter would, you know, obviously bake and stick under that shape. And so our brains had obviously never thought about that. So seeing it in their design center and hearing them talk about the various things that go into each and every single one of their designs. And you look at some of their designs and they are very intricate and patterns that are beautiful when we photograph them. But there is somebody in that design center that started that with a sketch And that's where, you know, your brain is like, wow, okay. And then to go out into the manufacturing facility and to hear the machinery, you know, stamping out sheet pans and the forklifts coming by with, you know, pallets stacked of bunt pans and you're watching them go through, you know, the paint and coating process. And, you know, they do this fun little like spinning dance during the you know the spray phase and we got some fun boomerangs of it to post on social media but yeah it was it was amazing to go behind the scenes and um later this year we're going to do a full uh profile in bake from scratch to take everyone with us behind the scenes and show readers what happens um because for us it was so informative and educational and i think you know again being obsessed with all things in the baking world, seeing the how it happens part was something we definitely want to show our readers. It's like another version of Willy Wonka's chocolate I almost factory, said but... that, but we also got to go behind the scenes at Guitar Chocolate in San Francisco. <gasps> and that was like the Willy Wonka moment of your dreams where you're watching chocolate chips come off the conveyor belt and uh, the process by which they put together their amazing chocolates. It The whole tour for us was like, the behind the scenes dream and the meeting people face to face. It was, it was really cool. Now are either of those tours open to the public? 
They are, you know? they are not. Um, you know, so that was something really unique about us partnering with them for the tour and bringing, um, you know, Ed Kimber over from London. Uh, they opened up their doors and gave us, you know, those behind the scenes, um, tours that we are going to be able to bring to our readers. So both companies have agreed for us to do profiles and show behind the scenes so that people that, you know, can't just go knock on the door of the factory and, and have a tour, they get to see it through, through us. And that's something we hope that we're able to provide a really nice uh, sneak peek to people, you know, that have an interest in seeing behind the scenes there as well. Yeah, that's super cool. Because if we can't just, you know, go pop in and tour, we'll still get kind of a taste of what it's like. I love that. Absolutely. So your new book, Volume 2 of Bake From Scratch, is almost out. And Amanda and I have advanced copies, and we love it. And we're so excited to already be looking through the book. Um, Can you tell us some of your favorite recipes from the book? Uh that you hope other bakers will make. Yeah. I mean, it changes, you know, probably weekly seasonally or, you know, whatever moment and mood I'm in. I love so many of the recipes, but I am a hummingbird cake junkie and I am so true to that obsession that, um, two of the recipes that I love the most, um, we did a tropical spin on the hummingbird cake. So we, um, included the recipe for a tropical hummingbird layer cake that we, um, you know, we used some macadamia and um, just tried to change out some of the elements to, you know, keep the iterations of hummingbird cake interesting and new. Um, But we also have a brown butter uh, hummingbird coffee cake that I make all the time. Uh, if I'm invited to a weekend brunch, you are more than likely going to see me walk through with the brown butter hummingbird coffee cake because it's so delicious. It's easy to make on a weekend for a morning, um, event and yeah. Um, but I'm also really obsessed with Mexican chocolate too. And we have a Mexican chocolate fudge pie that will satisfy anyone's chocolate craving anytime guaranteed. (laughs) So those are, you know, a few of the things that I love. Um, But with 400 pages, it's hard to decide what the favorite is. (laughs) Totally. Now I'm totally starving. I'm like, okay, I'll see you guys later. I've got to go make and eat these things because, oh, this just sounds so good. Um, I'm curious, just because it is so many recipes, what is the process like of putting it all together? How do you... Is there a formula or do you just kind of figure it out as you go? Like what, what does that process look like? Well, so with Bake From Scratch cookbooks, each year we plan to release an, a new volume and each volume of the cookbook represents the recipes that were featured in the year prior. So the volume two cookbook includes every single recipe that was in Bake From Scratch magazine from 2017. And so for that, the process is pretty easy to determine what we're going to include in the book because we want to include everything. Um, the hard part is to determine how we're going to divide the book into, you know, organized chapters based on subject matter um, so that it's a true resource book. If you're looking for layer cakes, we have a layer cake chapter. If you're looking for cookies, we have a cookie chapter. So 
even if you have every single issue of the magazine, you've got to go through a lot of magazines and a lot of articles to try to find recipes that might satisfy what you're looking for. But if you have the Bake From Scratch cookbook, you have the complete resource divided by subject matter so that you're able to easily see all of that content in one place. Yeah, it feels like a bit of a baking encyclopedia when I look through. I feel like I hope, I really hope that, you know, 10, 15 years down the line, I have a whole shelf just filled with them. And it's just all the stuff you ever need to know. Oh, you will. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we can sleep much better tonight, Amanda. <laughs> we'll hold you to it. Yeah. Please, please do. <laughs> um, so do we want to go to listener questions now? Or are you up for that? Yes, let's hear what the listeners had to say. All right. So I've got a couple of screenshots here. And so these are from Instagram. So the screen name is love in I K O L E D Z. I'm not going to try to read it. It's love in I K O L E D Z. And she says, Ooh, I have a question for all three of you. Maybe I've been baking at home for years and I absolutely love it. My baked goods turn out mostly delicious and ugly. What is a resource, book, Instagram, YouTube channel that can teach me to make my things pretty? So that is the question. Wow. Um, most of the time when I hear people say that their baked goods turn out ugly or they don't turn out the way they look in photos, it immediately makes me think that they are um, either not properly uh you know, greasing and flouring a pan um, so that you get a really beautiful release on, you know, a baked cake or a bunk cake or something. Um, or they're overworking ingredients and getting something, um, you know, the batter may be too uh, overworked. So the gluten is already formed too much before it's baked. So you don't get a light, fluffy, tender crumb like you would want from a cake. Um, and maybe that's where the texture and visual isn't working out for them. Um, totally. I always encourage someone to underdo what they think in their mind they're supposed to be doing, because I think as people trying to advance their skills in baking, they think, you know, I've got to extra mix it or I've got to, you know, overdo it to achieve a perfect result. So I always say back down on what you think you're supposed to do and see if you start to see better results. That's great advice. I think that's great advice. Yeah. Very good. Um, Jeremiah, do you want to answer it too? She said all three. So do you have any quick tips? I was thinking in terms of garnishes, figuring, figure out what type of garnishes you're good at. And maybe it's just learning to do some simple piping or listen, just Get some powdered sugar and do some stuff. I knew you were going to say that. Yes, I almost said the same thing. <laughs> or like, you know, learn to temper chocolate and be able to have a couple really cool tempered chocolate decorations that you can always pull out or a type of, um, I'm looking at the Bake From Scratch cover and there's all these beautiful um, pie, the, the edges of the pies are beautifully done artistically. Figure out, find your sig signature style that's not too hard, something that you can always do. Um, I think that it doesn't have to be too complicated. Just find something you're good at. Absolutely. Amanda, are you going to answer? Oh, sure. Why not? Um, <laughs> I love that you said find your signature style, Jeremiah. I think that's like a cool idea and something I have, like, I don't always think about that. I'm just changing, 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 but I think that's a nice, 
nice piece of advice. Um, I was thinking powdered sugar as well. And then also chocolate ganache or caramel sauce. It feels like if something's not looking really beautiful, if you dust it or pour something on top, it's so beautifully distracting that it can cover a lot of sins. And then I'm not really sure from the question if the bakes are ugly or if if the pictures are ugly. Cause I know for me, there's been a lot of times I've made things that I'm like, Oh, I'm so excited about this. I take pictures and then my family and I, we eat it up. And then I go to look at the pictures and I'm like, Oh, I just didn't get like the right (laughs) picture. So maybe just like, you know, trying all sorts of different things, like take the picture in your kitchen. We talked about this some with Tammy, um, our food stylist episode, but take it outside, try different backgrounds, try different angles, different times of day, just, just shake it up as much as you can. And I think eventually you definitely find something that's good. So hopefully that's helpful. Um, okay. So next question comes also from Instagram from mom loves baking. And she says, I'm curious about what Brian thinks about cake mixes. Would he ever use one or ever feature a recipe that included a cake mix? Or do they have a strict policy of only made from scratch? And if so, why? And she says she asks because her favorite recipe was from uh, her cake business days. And that was a doctored up cake mix. So I, I get this question a lot and, um, I will absolutely own our position on this and not to say that I think anything is wrong with someone that likes to bake with mixes and doctor them up to make really cool and unique things. That just was never the intent behind launching bake from scratch. Um, we really wanted to be narrow and niche with, artisan from scratch baking. Um, And so for that, I would tell her she's probably not going to see things from us that um, start with a mix. Um, But it doesn't mean it's wrong. You know, that's the beautiful thing about food is that you can make it, bake it, prepare it and cook it any way you want, as long as you love the results and the people you share it with do too. It's just not something that we're going to expand our editorial coverage to include. Some of our other magazines absolutely start their baking stories and concepts with doctored up mixes. And so it's, Definitely content that I know people love, but Bake From Scratch is going to stick to um, from scratch recipes. Beautifully answered. Thank you. So now it's time for a lightning round. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Are you ready, Brian? Ready. Okay. Name five bakeries every baker should visit. Five bakeries. Um... Mazadar Bakery in New York City, uh, Jane the Bakery in San Francisco. Um, oh my gosh, why would I be stumped now? I've only named two. Um, Callie's Hot Little Biscuit in Charleston and Atlanta. Woo-woo. I know, right? <laughs> so good. Um, Pump Street Bakery in Oraford, England is the most amazing trip outside of London to a beautiful, amazing bakery, but it's in a gorgeous setting. Um, So that would be number four on the international uh, list. And for the fifth bakery, everyone should visit. Um, Goodness, that's a tough one. Uh, 
That would be a great name for a bakery. When you said goodness, I was like, ooh, that I know, nice. that's nice. That <laughs> would be right. Um, you know, I, I hate to like duplicate on, you know, like a New York City bakery, but there's so many amazing um, bakeries in New York. Um, I have fallen in love with the banana bread from Dank, Brooklyn. Um, they do not have a brick and mortar yet, but their banana breads are sold at various places throughout New York and Brooklyn. So it's a, it's a Southern favorite, but they, it's in New York. So I'll offer dank Brooklyn as number five. Awesome. Okay. So now we have our, our next vacations planned. Um, okay. If you're at a restaurant, do you order a chocolate dessert or a fruit dessert? Chocolate. Chocolate. Who would you bake for? Anyone, alive or dead? Uh, Meryl Streep. <laughs> <laughs> what would you bake for her? Well, I would have to bake pan au chocolat to relive the moment she created so magically for all of us in the movie. Um, it's complicated. Um, like her scene at the bakery made us all want to live that life every day. So I would absolutely bake pan au chocolat for her. Pure magic. Okay. Love it. Favorite birthday dessert? Oh my gosh. I love my birthday. Um, so all the desserts that are served that day. <laughs> um, I, I love banana pudding. So if there's a banana pudding cake iteration, something, I'm going to eat that for sure. Okay. What, uh, what do you bake the most often at home? Lately, I've been on this super obsession with chocolate chip cookies, jumping in on all of the trendy chocolate chip cookies from Sarah Kiefer's Banging Pan to Allison's, you know, salted chocolate shortbread to Tara O'Brady's chocolate chip cookies. So I've been on a chocolate chip thing lately. Um, but the most common thing that I love to do is um, like a creme fraiche one layer fruit studded um, skillet pound cake in this copper cake pan that I bought in London. And I love the way it bakes. I love one layer cakes. I think they're rustic, but artisan and elegant and fun. And people love to have them for breakfast and dessert. And I just love them. Worst baking fail. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Apart from the soda cake when I was 10, um, I baked a caramel cake for one of my best friend's birthdays. It's probably been six years ago now. Um, I was so excited to bake um, for, we were all going out of town for a birthday weekend for him. And I was going to surprise him with his favorite cake caramel cake. I was so excited and I was in too big of a hurry and I was rushing and the layers didn't cool all the way and my caramel icing didn't come together properly and I forced it anyway and the icing would not stick to the side of the cake. So <laughs> it was falling and sliding and all over the place and I got mad at it and started pushing it into the sides of the cake like you're going to stick. I swear to God, this is not a mistake or a mistake. And to this day, it's called the job of the hot cake. There oh. are photos of me with it probably just like 
fighting back tears because I was so devastated that this cake was a epic fail. Epic fail. <laughs> oh my gosh, we've all been there. I was thinking yeah. that too. Yeah, it's like every baker's heart is like, yes, I've lived that. <laughs> yeah, yep, absolutely. Okay, last one in the lightning round is... What is your favorite buttercream? American, Swiss, Italian, German, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, um, I love a Swiss buttercream. I, I do. I will probably order any cake that is slathered in a beautiful Swiss buttercream, and I use it anytime I can also. So that's my pick. Excellent. <laughs> Swiss is it. <laughs> Brian, we can't thank you enough for spending this time with us. This has been so much fun. Thank you. It's been a lot of fun. I I hope to do a Flower Hour Volume 2 with you. <laughs> oh, no. It's going to go up to like 15, 20. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good. We'll have to schedule a regularly occurring uh, interview. <laughs> we would absolutely love that. Absolutely. to subscribe to Flower Hour on iTunes or SoundCloud. And if you're enjoying your time with us, leave us a review. We'd appreciate it. 